I would like to say, Claire, that I'm not normally this much of a just chaotic pile of mess, but that would be a lie. So no, we you you exude chaotic energy. Thanks. I guess. I love it. No, no, com- highest compliment. <laughs> Chaos is my love language. So we do right. the the intro thing. Yeah, we let's do an let's, intro. Yeah, we do once in a while we intro. <laughs> uh, welcome to what the fuck is the name of our podcast? Oh, shit. Uh, oh it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sticker on my laptop. <laughs> welcome to Teach Me Something Good with Corey and I want to say Katie. I think so. Who are those nerds? Yeah. <laughs> Geeks. Uh, yes, welcome to our podcast. We do this once in a while to teach each other things that's true that is true and and once in a while we bring in a third so that they can teach us other things yeah and we are so esteemed to have author and general awesome amazing person who has written the book here answers in the form of questions a definitive history an insider's guide to jeopardy from the ringer, it's Claire McNear. <laughs> Great Hi, to Claire. be here, guys. Thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have you teach us uh, about nothing that's in your book. <laughs> I mean, listen, that's that's what I'm going for. I hope you learn nothing from my book. Really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the best books. It's, it's just... really true. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about my thing first. Uh, something that I know very little about. Uh, I did a little bit of research. And Claire, you're going to help me fill in the gaps a little. Um, <laughs> because uh, what I'm going to be talking about today is something called uh, J.O. Party. Uh, very fun. Doesn't sound very interesting, gotta say. No, yeah. it, it does not. So, <laughs> no. Um, it, Corey, yeah. are you giving Claire a book report on her book? Oh, absolutely not. No, I haven't read it yet. Um, I, I know I'm in it, and I know that there are no pictures. So, no. <laughs> I What I'm going to do is because I think everyone knows a little bit about what Jeopardy is. It would be foolish for me to teach anyone, especially Claire, uh, anything about Jeopardy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Uh, I have five crazy facts that only Jeopardy super fans know. This is intimidating. I'm excited. It, it, it's truly not. Most of it is just, I, I wrote, I, I, I put these together cause I'm like, okay, everyone knows everything about Jeopardy. Everyone knows like, uh, Ken Jennings won a whole lot of money. Um, you know, the show's been on for a hundred thousand years. Uh, so there's, Predates there's the dinosaurs. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The, the Dead Sea Scrolls are all in the form of a question. It's amazing. So, I'll take Ten Commandments for uh, 200. Good. I'm glad you didn't give me an odd number. I, I, I had to you. pause. You've, you've anyway. made fun of me for that before. It's true. I have, haven't I? All right. Um, first things first. Let's just get this out of the way. Uh, Claire, 
why, what is it with you and Jeopardy? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had a good answer to that. Like everybody, everybody has reasonably been asking me that. And, uh, I, I, I did not grow up a super fan of Jeopardy. It was, you know, we had it in our home. Occasionally I actually didn't have cable through like high school and didn't have it in college, didn't have it the years after college. Um, so I wasn't really watching Jeopardy for a while. And, um, Moved in with my now fiance about five years ago and we got cable. And I remember just having this epiphany that we could just DVR Jeopardy and we could watch yeah. Jeopardy every night and play along. And it just felt, it felt like cosplay. It was like, oh yeah, look at us, just such grownups, like watching Jeopardy <laughs> together. But we started to do it. And uh, I work for The Ringer and they encourage us to just write about whatever we're obsessed with and... I fell deeper and deeper down the hole. And now <laughs> I have written a Jeopardy book. That's amazing. That's amazing. No, it's, it's a really good book. I mean, there's um, a lot of people know, like, and I keep saying this, a lot of people know, like, the the nuts, like, the, the baseline things of Jeopardy because it's been on for all of my life. Yeah, I mean, like, I know how to play Jeopardy. Yeah, like every everyone knows basically <laughs> if you if you're on a game show type situation, a lot of people will do this, and then they'll say, "What is my dumb, stupid answer?" Mm-hmm. And then, uh, which is why I mean, like I think that's why you get the SNL parodies, right? Because it's just like that they have multiple of them. It's just it's like you know immediately what it is, you know immediately what the format is, and you know immediately what the joke is. Until about I'd say the year two thousand, Jeopardy was the like template for a generic game show. If you thought of what's a game show in your head, there's a board over here. There's a host in the middle. There's three people behind pe- uh, lecterns um, and they're just buzzing in and, and answering quick fire questions. There were no other game shows until millionaire. And then millionaire turned every game show into uh, two people sitting directly in front of each other with TVs in the middle for a million dollars. The, everyone knows kind of the nuts and bolts of that. Um, in your, you know, writing this book and, and diving deep in the ringer, what was the, what are some of the interesting things that you came across while like studying and thinking about Jeopardy? And it can That's be anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a really general, not very fun answer, but sure. I, I think like, what, the thing that made me want to turn it into a book um, was that I think there has been this interesting thing over the last five, ten years of of contestants really preparing for the show. Like, the mm-hmm. comparison you hear is, is Moneyball, right? And, like, it, it, it's, like, the great myth of watching any game show, but I think especially Jeopardy is, is you're watching from your couch and you're like, oh, I, I could do that. Like, I could go on Jeopardy, I could win a bunch of money. And, in fact... Most people could not do either of those things. Uh, A lot of people try to get on Jeopardy every year. 100,000 people a year apply for just 400 spots. Um, But I wanted to look at, you know, like how how contestants are are preparing, like the the kind of revolution of buzzer prep and reaction time prep and people, you know, who have no math background or, or anything like that, studying game theory to tell them what to do in Final Jeopardy. Like it's become this really serious thing over just the last few years. So I wanted to look at that and explore it. It's very cool. 
That explains, this is why I'm going to use this to justify why I'm so bad at playing Jeopardy from my couch now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just so, so, I mean, I haven't studied game theory at spot. <laughs> I'm getting to it. Yeah. It's on the list to do things, you know, someday. Yeah, there's like betting st- strategy you have to know. There's. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't think everybody does this. I think no. there are still contestants who just are really sharp and everybody's told them their whole lives that they should go on Jeopardy and they do and they don't, you know, maybe, maybe they look at J Archive once. Maybe they have no idea what J Archive is. Yeah. And, and I think that still exists. Um, but I, I think that that's a rarity now. When I was in the fifth grade, there was Game Show Network was advertising a spinoff of Jeopardy for children. So this was before they actually had children on the main show in the 2000s. This was like 95. And it was called JEP with an exclamation point. And it was super fun. The host was the guy who does the voice for Porky Pig. Um, They strapped you into chairs. And if you got three answers incorrect, they would drop shit on your head. You know, for kids. And uh, I was on that show. They flew me out to Los Angeles and the one thing, the two things I remember, the th- three, the three things I remember is one, I had, when I was watching Jeopardy, they had a crane camera in, on the show. And one time, Trebek pretended to punch it. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing on the planet. So every time the crane camera came near me, I'd pretend to punch it. And in my episode, when they edited it, there were no crane camera shots whatsoever. <laughs> That was that was one thing. Like this kid keeps yeah. ruining our in camera shots. Yeah, there's some producer in the back going, he fucking did it again. <laughs> but he's in fifth grade, so don't tell him to fucking stop, but still. Unless you're a Trebek, in which case maybe you would. Oh man, yeah, That's true. definitely. Um, I also remember that the final the was it I think they didn't call it final Jep. I think they called mm-hmm. it like Hyper Jep. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, they it was worked pretty cringy. hard on the name. Yeah. Was they really a, did. A creative masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the final Jeopardy category was state, it was like state capitals. And what I found out when I got home was the thing that my class was studying while I was in Los Angeles, oh, no. was all the state capitals. No, the irony. And guess who got Final Jeopardy wrong? Uh, it was rude. Mr. Mr. Camera Punch. Yep. That's, that's the thing, though. I mean, people just remember the question that screwed them over, the clue that screwed right. them over forever yeah. and ever. I found an interview with John McCain, Yesterday, I was looking through my notes trying to find stuff that I didn't use, and um, there's he did an interview like four or five years ago or something like yeah. that, and uh, he was on the Art Fleming Jeopardy in the '60s and oh, wow. won a game, and he he in this interview was just like going off about how he like missed Final Jeopardy of the second day and how it like haunted him forty some odd years later, and it was just like yep, that's a Jeopardy contestant. Yeah, no, I'll it it. Jeopardy contestants, there's a camaraderie that you don't see. You don't see a lot of, and this is super niche, in other game show contestants. Um, like, you don't see people who are on Family Feud go online 
and talk to other Family Feud contestants and talk about their experience making fun of Steve Harvey or anything. But Jeopardy has this expansive alumni network. Hey, look, all I'm saying is those contestants from MTV The Challenge look pretty buddy-buddy, so... Yeah, and they keep fucking each other and going on Teen Mom afterwards. <laughs> it's a pipeline. It, it truly is. You start at sixteen and pregnant, and if you if you have enough, it's wherewithal, a closed ecosystem. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Biodome with Pauly Shore, but it's MTV. Yeah, fun fact, Corey. Sure we get to teens, moms, teen, teen moms, mom, teen, teen mom, moms. There we go. Teen, yeah. Mom, mom. The, Yes. Teen, teen yes. mom moms. Mom, yeah. Teen mom, teen moms. Teen mom, teens? <laughs> we'll keep if, talking it. Yeah. If my, if my wife ever comes on this podcast, she said her topic is going to be something related to the teen moms. The amount of information. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. It, it, it's a microcosm of every bad choice America can collectively make boiled down to a child. And then their children. Fascinating about that show. And I feel like I, we should probably stop talking about this so your wife can like take over yeah. when she's on. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, is that like the show, I don't even know if this is still true, but in the early seasons, it, it was like very explicitly a, a pro-choice thing. Like they would have a thing yeah. at the end of every episode, like encouraging oh. abortion, basically. They were like, isn't this fucked up? Here's here's so here's how to they, not do this. Yeah. And, so but, they, but then they became like celebrities and now yeah. it's kind of like it it almost like promotes it. Like, like a little they're bit, like stars. Yeah. Like it's Yeah. I know at the end of every episode of Teen Mom, they always say if you have questions about, you know, reproductive rights, go to itsyoursexlife.com or org. I don't remember. I think it's org. When, yeah. But they they do a lot of, um, like, the first four girls that were on the original Teen Mom, Jesus God, um, one of them... You know uh, their names, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, Caitlin <laughs> gave her, her first child up for adoption. Um, uh, let's see. I think... I don't... None of them has had abortions... Um, but they've all cons- that we well well not that yeah, it's that a we plot know. point. I think about this a lot. Yeah, about yeah. the lack of like abortion stories that we're presented yeah. in the media. Yeah. Oh no, I I might be getting this backwards, but I think I'm right. Leah from Teen Mom Two, she she said on the show that she had a miscarriage, but she actually had an abortion, and she's been talking about that lately because she's been writing a book. I hate myself. I mean, uh, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, I think like I mean, <laughs> the worst I, book promo. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you did you <laughs> did full task. You did not do yourself any justice. But I mean, I yep. think that there's value in like right, like these like weird cultural things actually say a lot about like our society. And when you think about like like when Teen Mom first came out, like it, we weren't in a cultural moment where a, like. TV star could be like, yeah, I got an abortion as opposed yeah. to like, I watched, um, shrill, which is, a, oh, yeah. it's based on a book oh, by Lindy West, yeah. which is also great. Um, but the first episode, the character, main character, this spoiler alert, sorry. Uh, she gets pregnant, has an abortion. It happens. It's over. And yeah. she's like, yeah. And it's like, I feel like, like those, it's just like, 
it seems like a trivial, silly thing, but it it has merit. It shows. I would say so. Yeah, where we are as a world. So, well, let's let's segue that into something on topic then. If what? Yeah, if Teen Mom and its ilk kind of shine a light toward American views on sex and reproduction and uh, to a greater extent just freedoms you know what it, what is jeopardy reflecting on america as a whole this most anti- thoughtful question i'll ever ask yeah anti-abortion don't <laughs> it's the same it's well known um you nerds aren't fucking anyway so <laughs> go answer your question about fucking henry the eighth I, I will say on that on that note one of my favorite inter- and i included it in the book but but was barry pachowski um who played the game um, about 10 years ago and and he was talking about the like bar scene at the hotel of the contestants um, afterwards. And like, he, he very much saw a couple form, like people just sort of making out at the bar after playing at Jeopardy that day and like went back to their room and uh, you know, horny nerds, man. The endorphins run high. Yeah. 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 I really, I tried hard to, to get more, more specificity on stories like that. I just couldn't chase them down. But um, if any listeners know of any Randy Jeopardy contestants, day of taping. Jeopardy babies. Um, <laughs> but to uh, to answer that question, though, like I do, I do think it's it's interesting, right? It's it's like this this very rote trivia contest. It's sixty one questions and um that that questions. would be one of the most yeah i know clues i say podium too so <laughs> I would, you know some sometimes you know if you yeah. get it it works um but uh yeah so it's you know 61 clues and i mean you you it would be hard to plug in more trivia in a single half hour of television yeah. and um and it as much as i do the fun pop culture stuff and i think that that's the thing the show has really actively embraced like it is just like very academic trivia um and i you know i i you you probably know a whole lot more about this than i do but i I, I, it's (laughs) but it it is it seems like that kind of show is much more of a thing in the uk like i feel like quiz shows are much more of a thing um there simple quiz shows no less like jeopardy first off oh you've gotten me started number one uh, I keep telling every UK producer that I know, fucking bring over Jeopardy. Change nothing except half the dollar amounts and turn it to pounds. And just do it. Just fucking do it. You will have a hit on your hands. But they don't listen to me. There were uh, international editions for a while, though. Right? Yeah. I don't so, know if there was like a, an English one. I thought there was an yes, Irish there was, one, at least. There, there was a British one. Uh, they, there were two British ones. Um, uh, but No, there might have been three. Um, they've tried several times. The first two times before, uh, I want to say about 1998 or so, uh, because of the quiz show scandals that also happened in the UK. It's a very weird timeline. So in the, in the, for those who don't know, in the 1950s, uh, game show producers thought, well, it's all for funsies, right? It's just television. Let's give some of the contestants all the fucking answers and make them act like they don't, you know, that they're like winning or losing or whatever. I'm sorry. Uh, wait, what? Oh, Katie, I have a movie I, to show you. You know, I, this is like <laughs> not my realm at all. And I'm. Yeah. So constantly blown so away. In, yeah. In the fifties, there was a game show called 21. Um, it was hosted by and directed by, uh, it was hosted by Jack Barry and it was produced by Dan Enright and Dan Enright 
and his writing crew decided, hey, you know what's really exciting? When people win a fuck ton of money and uh, we can put them on week after week, but they have to win. So we'll just like, sometimes we'll, you know, we'll ask them those things that's in their wheelhouse. And other times we'll just give them the answers. And sometimes they had the opponents throw games, right? They yep. paid people to yep. lose. What? And the 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 cr- like the the crux of this was on the game show twenty one, when they made uh, Herb Stemple, who is this schmucky looking? Yeah, he was a schmucky looking like dude. A Herb Stemple. Yeah, he looked exactly like a Herb Stemple. <laughs> um, he they made him throw the game and. His opponent was this handsome man, and he sounds handsome, Charles Van Doren. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. No, From this, like, like, pedigreed New York family, like, bunch of Columbia professors. He taught at Columbia, I think. Yeah, exactly. So they, because Herb's popularity was on the, was on the fall, and Charles Van Doren was this hot young thing. Yeah. So they made Herb throw the game uh, on a question that allegedly he knew. So he was forced to give an incorrect response under the promise that, hey, you know, you'll get all this money that you want and we'll also start developing game shows with you. And they never did. Um, so he ratted. Face. No one can yep. see it except for YouTube. But he ratted to the Fibbies. And uh, that's when the uh, FCC decided to put rules in place saying if you're going to host a game on television, uh, it has to be on the level. Interesting. So, and so that same thing happened in the UK and not only did they say all these games have to be on the level, but now there's a cap on how much money you can win on a show. And it was low, Hmm. like insultingly low, like in the eighties, you know, we had the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. They, by the eighties at that point, their top prizes were trips to other parts in Europe that would get you maybe 200, 300 pounds at the time. It was not good prize. You played for the game. So through that, there's been a um, culture in the UK of quiz shows that people played for the game. So, and you still see that today. Like when you watch Great British Bake Off, they're playing for a cake dish. And they're so great. I know. They're so, they really want that fucking cake plate so bad. It's just so cute. They're all so nice to each other. That's Uh, the other thing. Yeah. They're they're so nice. They're so nice. Like the the quiz show Mastermind on the BBC, your grand prize, if you beat everyone, is a glass bowl uh, on the game show Countdown, which is the world's most boring fucking show on the planet. It's so fucking boring but it's so (laughs) fascinating um it is literally and these two these two rounds alternate uh there is one round where one player picks nine letters from a random scrabble bag basically and you have 30 seconds to make the longest word and they show that 30 seconds you you get 30 seconds of on-air tv of two people writing down anagrams and they do that nine times a show and then the other round is the same idea, but there's numbers instead of letters. Oh, man. You get a target number, and you have, to, you have 30 seconds to use the numbers that you see to get to that target number. In college, I watched Ooh. it every single fucking day. <laughs> what a game. And if you win, you get a fucking teapot. 
that's that makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> like of all of it. <laughs> yeah. So in the UK, there's this culture of playing the game. And I think that in America, except for one exception, I think everyone who goes on Jeopardy is there to play the game. And they're happy to win the game. Uh, if they if they win a ton of money, that's awesome for them. But the the goal for like ninety nine percent of Jeopardy contestants is to and this in my in my viewpoint is to get on the show. If it's great, if they win, then they've won Jeopardy, and they can say they're a Jeopardy champion. Except for one, just asshole who thinks this is clever and keeps going i beat his fucking score on the chase fuck you jamie all right uh i had um i included this in the book but i had uh the, the wonderful andy sanders over at the jeopardy fan um, yeah run, Andy's run great. some of the numbers for me because he's mm-hmm. a genius um yes. and uh he he determined for me that that over like 15 or 16 seasons of the show up to pretty much now almost 75% of contestants lose their first game. Like it's yeah. like a quarter of people win. It's like even worse than if it was just random odds. And yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's and and for, for everybody, I think who goes on the show, I mean, certainly like I talked to like a hundred contestants while I was writing this book and like every single one, no matter how big they won or if they didn't win at all, like it, it really is this just lifelong dream. And you're so right. Like it is about, the bragging rights of having done it. And I mean, I think you could see it on like Twitter where so many people have like, like bronze medalist from Jeopardy, like in yeah. their, in their Twitter bio. And I, I mean, like it, it matters to them. It is a point of pride. And I, I mean, understandably, once you like get a sense of how hard it was to, to do that, but. Oh yeah. Oh, certainly. The camera zooms in on me. So we get some high proof alcohol, we get gasoline, anything that says- What makes our lives worth living is our mortality. If there were not mortality, we wouldn't be- Luckily for me, most of the beauty pageants that I've um, participated in don't- I've done my fair share of love. I've always liked showing myself off naked. Got up out of the seat, walked to me, and then slapped me. Spontaneous conversation with people from around the world on Stranger Than Christian. Available on your favorite podcast app and at strangerthanchristian.com. Teach Me Something Good is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers get fun surprises like stickers and are the first to know of any fun updates to the show. Your support can be as little as a dollar a month. Head to donate.teachme.show and select the Teach Me Something Good supporter tier to show your support today. That's donate.teachme.show. thing five super obscure facts about jeopardy these uh, are five things and i will Sit see game. that was no. an no i i recognized it and uh <laughs> zoom lag let's blame the zoom lag sure. all right number one uh jeopardy used to have a bonus round is that from the 70s it 70s was from one? the 70s yeah. yeah so a lot of people forget that jeopardy was around before trebek um because we're all babies um, but in the in the seventies, uh, there was a version of, and it's the Jeopardy that like SNL references, and they reference it in the board specifically. And uh, 
I lost on Jeopardy by Weird Al. There, he's referencing the old Jeopardy, top to bottom, because when he made that song, New Jeopardy was taping their first few episodes. Um, but yeah, so in the 70s, it was hosted by Art Fleming, who was like a generic game show host. He was a very good game show host. He was very trusted, but he was just, you know, he was this bombastic, larger-than-life guy. Um, but yeah, in, uh, in 1978, uh, NBC, it was on NBC, so it wasn't syndicated. Uh, three players played the Jeopardy round. Whoever had the lowest score was eliminated. Two players played double Jeopardy, which sounds like fun. Uh, also, if Jeopardy was made today, this is how they would do it. It would be an hour long. It would be on ABC, and this is how they would do it. Uh, <laughs> and then... Whoever they had the it most a silly name too, right? The all new Jeopardy. Yes. Oh yeah. Art Fleming's all new Jeopardy! Exclamation point. Wait, was um, there an old Jeopardy? It yeah. Was, so it was both, okay. both those versions were Art Fleming, and then it was off the air for uh, like eight years or something, and then they brought it back in '78, and it was yeah. a disaster. Oh yeah, it was miserable. Oh no. Um, because and the reason for it, if I'm not mistaken, was the vice president of daytime programming at NBC, who was Lynn Boleyn. She was given a task to make daytime television uh, in the 1970s specifically cater only to housewives, um, like specifically young middle class housewives. So they like they canceled concentration because only old people watch concentration. And if you've seen concentration anytime before 1990, you'll know that that, that you can you'll get why. Um, it is, it's boring as fuck. I love it. I love the show. I keep shitting on all these shows I like, but they're all, to, to misquote Bob's Burgers, they're all terrible. All right, listen, you're my children and I love you, but you're all terrible at what you do here. And I feel like I should tell you. But yeah, so she, her big things were she canceled a bunch of shows that everyone liked. She canceled Jeopardy. Then she tried to bring back Jeopardy with this weird format where, uh, three players Jeopardy, two players double Jeopardy. There was no final Jeopardy. They moved on to fucking Super Jeopardy, the dumbest fucking thing. So they put, there's, uh, you had all, the whole thing on the board, like all the five categories, five clues each, and you had to basically do like a bingo board. So you had to get five in a row. So you could run a category and win uh, or you could go diagonally as well and win. So it's like um, trivia bingo. Exactly. Okay. But if you got if you gave an incorrect response, you get a strike. Three strikes and the game is over. Uh, if you got five in a row, you got five thousand dollars. Is the dumbest shit on the planet. Um, speaking of weird shit they used to do on Jeopardy, uh, there was once a Jeopardy game that had six whole daily doubles in them. Is yep. that different than? Oh, Katie, Se- seven o'clock on WBFF. <laughs> give it a give it a watch sometime. It's cable. very good. Oh, it's on Fox. On. You plug in the fucking antenna. Yeah, because I have an antenna. Do you have a paperclip? Yes. Shove a paperclip in the hole in the back of your TV and watch the fucking. I don't news. have a TV. Oh my god! I'm what do you not have a TV <laughs> for? <laughs> Just watch it on my laptop. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a hundred TVs. Oh, uh, please don't. There's. <laughs> I'll give you that one right there. I'll give you this one right here. There's just a TV on your this floor? This one's your now. Oh, my God. <laughs> there are two TVs on my floor. One of them's a touchscreen. Anyway. Sir, you uh, might be a hoarder. A little bit, yeah. 
So, yeah, uh, normally during Jeopardy, there's one daily double in the first round, and correct me if I'm wrong, Claire, there's two in the second round. There sure are. Okay, cool. There's yeah. a total of three, if we're yeah, three total. for the viewers at home who, <laughs> <laughs> who can't count. Um, so, uh, in 1972, Jeopardy aired its 2000th episode. Because they used to do it, I if I'm doing the math right, they used to have 10 Jeopardies a day on television. So they got to 2,000 really quick. That might not be right. That's not the right math. But yeah, it was on every day for a while, so 2,000 was pretty quick. Um, and they had a whole bunch of like dumb shit to do. So they had like characters come out. All the contestants were celebrities. But every category had a daily double. That's and crazy. This was the first episode in which Jeopardy had video clues as well. Mm. February 21st, 1972. Well, aren't so, they fancy? They're very fancy. I don't... The 70s is weird, man. Yes. That is... Fact number three. Uh, Jeopardy once had four players playing at once. Did someone give birth on stuff. the stage? What happened? Yeah, they, they shoved that. So in, in 1990, ABC, which we all love ABC now because they keep putting game shows on television. It's basically Game Show Network after 8 o'clock on ABC at this point. Um, <laughs> but in 1990, Saturday night on, Jeopard, on uh, ABC, they had two new shows. Uh, 8 o'clock was Super Jeopardy. Mm. Got it. We gotta stop just putting "super" in front of a word Never. and thinking that it sounds cool because it doesn't. Uh, excuse me. Everything that has "super" in front of it is cool. Uh, super Jeopardy is cool. Uh, super Nintendo, very cool. Um, super Script when the letters are up high, uh, those are cool. I fail to see what the problem is. Supernova. Awesome. It's yeah, unless it's happening to you. It will never happen to me. I'm too far away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry we dragged you into this, Claire. Uh, uh, at 9 o'clock on ABC on Saturday nights in 1990, they turned Monopoly into a game show, which was, it was okay. Um, you know my feelings about Monopoly. This is true. And what I know if yours. I, what if I told you that the pilot for the Monopoly game show had a little, uh, a little person dressed as Mr. Monopoly running around the board, moving uh, tokens around? No. Yes, absolutely. Wait, this was in the 80s? 1990. Ooh. I mean, yep. so yeah, the 80s. Yeah. So oh. they did, that, did not go to, that did not go to series, but just know that that happened. It didn't age well? No, it did not. But at 8 o'clock, uh, Jeopardy had a four-player format. So they pushed a fucking fourth podium on the stage, and four people played... Uh, Jeopardy. It was like the best of the one of those like ultimate tournaments of all the best players. Um, yeah, the first nine games were four players, and they played for points. Sounds horrible. Yeah, it, I mean, you, no one remembers it because it wasn't that good. But if you ever yeah, wondered, yeah, I feel like I would run into a Super Jeopardy thing every once in a while on J Archive, and I was just like, I'm not. Oh no, why? Why are there so like... many people? The most valuable illustration of why that's so bad is, like, think about a three-person Zoom call versus a four-person Zoom call and how you go from, like, at least being able to have, like, a moderately functional conversation to just an utter pile of trash. Yeah. 
That's about right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the winner was 1988 Tournament of Champion quarterfinalist Bruce Seymour, who won $250,000. You know what he used some of that money for? Please tell uh, me. It was, he, he, I guess, was really into uh, Lola Montez, who is this, like, globe-trotting performer. I didn't really know much about her, but stumbled across a story about, about this specifically. Uh, highly recommend her Wikipedia page. It's a great read. But he, <laughs> he wrote a book about her using that money and then, like, refurbished her tombstone in New York City as, like, part of, part of his, like, celebration of her. That? It was like it was I loved it. I mean it was honestly just like yeah, he I mean that he is just did the thing that he was obsessed with. Like he and he just went all the way. It's that great. is some jeopardy shit. Any <laughs> Are there any other really good like here's some weird shit I did with my money stories that you I came really, across? I really wanted to find a whole bunch of them. That was my favorite. There's uh Martin Shinkman, I think was his name, and he was like a rare stamp collector, and he said he was going to buy a bunch of like rare stamps, put them in a vault, vault, and like roll around in them. <laughs> and, and you know, I know Pam Mueller bought um, bought a Jeopardy podium when they were uh, making a new set, so she she bought her old her lectern, I should say. Um, so she has that, I think, at, at her parents' home in in nice. Illinois. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I found a bunch of people who like. Like, there's some guy who lives in North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas, who used it to purchase, um, like, a vacation home that he rents out. And it's, like, you, like, name your home in this community, I guess. So his is the N-I-N-N Jeopardy. Oh, that's... I (laughs) I hate it and like it at the same time. You can stay there. You can rent it. So I feel bad for not remembering his name. But um, if you ever need a vacation house down there. A long time ago, in the infancy of the internet, um, they bid. They they put part of the Jeopardy set, the old one, <laughs> cat. They put the old Jeopardy set uh, up for auction on eBay, and you could bid on the giant neon letters. Yeah. So and I, e- oh, did you bid on that? I did bid on that as a child. Whoa. Oh, that's a scary. Yeah. I. I. You know. Uh, where were Pam- your parents? Uh, they, no one was watching how, me. How much money did you, did you offer for this? Oh, all the money I had, 10 whole dollars. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I, it wasn't like, you no. know, you got into like a tens of thousands of dollars bidding war. This no. was something from Pam that I really, really wanted to track down for the book, but I just couldn't find anything on it. She said that after she bought, um, her podium, her lectern, um, yep. Uh, it's more to the inevitable listeners who, who sent me angry notes. Um, she, so after she bought it, she was contacted by a guy and she couldn't remember his name and, and didn't have the email anymore, but he had, I guess, bought that whole huge glass display from the, from the, you know, behind the stage. It was the stage's backdrop, just massive, massive for, I think a very large amount of money, um, I want to say it was actually like a record for eBay when, when that was sold. Um, but he wanted to buy her lectern and Mm -hmm. he was trying to sort of build this collection of like the whole Jeopardy set. And, um, that obviously she she didn't end up selling it to him, but I'm like so curious about who this was, where that is. If, if it's still, you know, intact somewhere. If I were to be a betting man, I bet it was Bob Bowden. Yeah. 
That would make some sense. He's yeah. got all that stuff, right? Don't know he is. he has the J. So Bob Bowden is a uh, he's a game show executive. Uh, he's been in a. He was the one who commissioned my Jeopardy, my my kids Jeopardy. Yeah. He was head of Game Show Network for a while. Um, but yeah, he his garage is filled with game show paraphernalia. He has the Family Feud face off podium. He has the Jeopardy J that I know of. I believe he has a Plinko chip and there's only like 10 of those. Um, yeah, he has a, the, the second best part of Brainiac. The first best part being, of course, where you are quoted, uh, is, is that, uh, is when Ken Jennings goes and vi- visits the garage and gets oh, to yeah. see all this, this loot. I was yeah. going to just take a guess that it was in like a Midwest sex dungeon somewhere. And mm. like, honestly, this feels kind of like the same thing. I mean, well, I feel like it could it, be like an escape room now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People would pay a lot of money for that. I know I would. I'd pay an same amount of money. <laughs> uh, fact number four Triple Jeopardy. That's a thing that existed. Uh, I love blowing your mind with this. Um, yeah. So in 2011. The Arab world got their own version of Jeopardy, mm. which is cool. And it was an hour long. So The how entire s- monolith that is the Arab world. Pretty much. I mean, they have a they have a channel called NBC One, and it pretty much hits every Arabic-speaking nation in the Middle East. Fair enough. Yeah. So they had Jeopardy. It was an hour long. Uh, and as we know, Jeopardy is a half-hour game. So how do you stretch Jeopardy into an hour? Um throw in fucking triple jeopardy yeah. instead of Duh. six categories there's four and it's from uh 1200 to 6000 wow are the values yeah. is that I still don't, on it is not sad yeah but out of the all, out of all the i i like watching foreign versions of jeopardy to see how there's there's only two game shows that i think are that America has done the best as Jeopardy and The Price is Right. They're both ours. Uh, and when they uh, go to other parts the of the Price world, right. Price is Right's fantastic. Um, the fan base is miserable. Fuck you guys. Um, I'm getting a lot of heat on this episode. What? Yeah. Uh, long uh, stories. I'll tell you episode. later. Right. Yep. But um, the Arab Jeopardy is one of the best foreign adaptations of Jeopardy ever. Their set looks right. They took the music correct. The uh, the board is nice, even with triple triple Jeopardy. I like it a lot. Cool. Uh, who's the worst? Who's the worst? Probably the UK did the worst because they played for points. You played for points, and if you won, you got five hundred pounds. It's the dumbest nope. fucking shit on the planet. Oh, and you couldn't see anyone else's score ever. What? Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Wait, did it have did it have the betting round? Did I miss that? Yeah. No, no, it had every, it had the How UK you Jeopardy make had everything. A decision about the betting round if you don't know, that's awful. It's not great. And my final fact: uh, Jeopardy. Alex Trebek appeared on Jeopardy in the seventies twice. Aww. He was he was on Celebrity Jeopardy, right? He was not on Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, Wait, I was trying to track this down. I read some some weird mention of this and just could not. Could, I mean, those NBC mystery or episodes are such a mystery that they really are. I I I um I used all of my Lexus Nexus skills to find these. Oh. Um, he was a guest because uh 
on NBC, he got his start on a show called The Wizard of Odds, uh, which is nobody's, no one's ever seen it uh, to, to this very day. Nobody knows what it's like, anything like that. Um, but he appeared as a guest to promote the show twice. Uh, huh. in, Mar- in March, on March 7, 1974, and then at some point in the first week of April, 1974. All right. Well, yep. There you go. So he was on Jeopardy twice before he hosted the show, That's and 70s poll. Trebek is a delight all the time. Oh, I can imagine. His uh, frothy imagine. fro, oh, his yes. broom uh, mustache, oh, it's amazing. Crazy suits. Crazy the, suits. The oh. craziest suits. Mm. Claire's book is called Answers in the Form of Questions. I don't know why I'm holding it up. You know what it fucking looks like. You wrote the damn thing. You probably have cartons somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I do, actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just going to <laughs> I am, I'm in it several times. Uh, I haven't highlighted them yet, but because at this point, I can take Ken Jennings' book and just open it to where my, my section is pretty much by memory. Um, I'm in the good part. But uh, here, almost, I'm getting there. No, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it if you like Jeopardy, if you're sad about Trebek, if you're happy that he had a life well lived, uh, if you've spent the past two weeks crying your eyes out. Uh, read Claire's book. It is very good, and it has at least two different typefaces, which is appreciated. So. <laughs> Fancy. This was Teach Me Something Good. I'm Katie Overby. And I'm Oriana Tato. Email us comments, questions, criticisms, or concerns to podcast at teachme.show. Or you can tweet us. We're at Teach Me Show on Twitter. Visit our website for more episodes at teachme.show. And if you'd like what you heard, uh, we'd love a review on your podcasting platform of choice. Thank you. And, and bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.